So I'm back on the podcast. I'm joined today by Spencer Labs. Spencer, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correct. If I'm not, feel free to shout at me, throw abuse at me, whatever it is you want to do. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. Tell me, number one, a bit about yourself, what's going on, how you're yeah. getting through lockdown, and where any listener can find you online, social media, websites, whatever. Yeah, um, actually, well, it's LeBay, but, you know, lab works fine. We always get it messed up. Um, yeah, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm 26. I live in Camarillo, California. And uh, you can find my books on thecastawayking.com. Uh, you can find me on pretty much any social media on at the Castaway King. Um, so, yeah, this, you know, lockdown has actually been great for me because I've just had tons of time to read and write <laughs> and stay inside where is where I like it. <laughs> You're from California. Sunshine mm-hmm. is splitting the trees. Every time I've been down in Cali three or four times, you said you like being inside. What well, is that yeah. something in terms of your writing? Let me maybe pick a hole in your writing or pick a question maybe in your writing. Is that something that whenever you, when you wrote this story of the Castaway King, when you started this and you had the guy, you had them underground and trying to get out, was there, is there any realism there in terms of how you feel in real life? Is there any? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I I like either being inside or I like being out in nature. So um, I pulled a lot from the nature bit of my personality, I suppose. And uh, just from the different places that I've been to, like Yosemite and, uh, and in Oregon and just like those really beautiful, you know, nature spots. So I pulled a lot from there because, uh, you know, when they do go above ground, um, it's very just natural, magical type of environment. So yeah. I had to pull a lot from that and um, also just from, you know, other books and other fantasy worlds that I've read. Yeah. So before we get really into the writing stuff, because I have a couple of questions for you, I want to know, tell me about your life growing up. And when you were young, did you always know you wanted to be an author? You know, no, I didn't really know that. Um, My uncle is actually a writer and um, he's written for television shows and, you know, he's written a bunch of different things. And so that definitely influenced me when I was younger. And I kind of would write stories here and there when I was in high school. uh, I started a book and I was writing that book for like five years on and off. And then eventually I just gave up on it, but it was always a, a hobby of mine. I always liked uh, to create things. So um, I'm also an artist. I went to school yeah. um, as an art major. And so I've always had that creative as- aspect of where I just want to create things. And uh, once I stopped writing that book that I had been writing forever, I was like, I'm just going to write something fresh from the start because, you know, I, I started this one when I was in high school, so it's not very good. And I want to just, be a, just have a fresh idea and a fresh story. And that's when I came up with the, the Castaway King Chronicles. And that was uh, my last, mm, I think that was in my last year of college. Okay. I started that one. So yeah, it was just a random, you know, thing that got me really into it at the time. Yeah. So. Um, whenever you began to write then and you, and you were getting into it and you're getting going, the juices are going, the ideas are flying, all this sort of stuff's going on. Was there, was there an idea maybe in your head going, I'm really enjoying this. This is a career for me. Or, yeah, that's or, yeah. that. Exactly. It was it was a hobby at that point where, you know, I had been writing, you know, just on and off little stories here and there since I was younger, just probably because of uh, influence of my uncle and also because I was such a big reader. Yeah. Um, growing up, I'd always been a, a huge reader and I've just consumed books like crazy. Yeah. So 
um, I had always been writing a little bit, but that when I started writing the Castaway King Chronicle, Castaway King Chronicles, I was really got the hang of it. And I really, you know, really enjoying the process and I really got into um, doing it and enjoyed it a lot. So from there, I was like, all right, this is this is something that I definitely want to pursue. So um, from there, yeah, it just my love for writing even grew even more and now it became a whole career and a whole uh, something to gear my life towards. Yeah. You mentioned there your uncle uh, mm-hmm. being, being a writer. Um, what impact or what maybe influence has he had on not only your career, but your life in general? Was, was there always a relationship there? Was there always just tell yeah. me about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it, I think it's just, uh, he gave me that, that initial bug for writing when, you know, when he gave me, I think he gave me my first computer um, and all I could do was just type and, you know, he was a writer. And so I would just make little terrible stories and I would, you know, show them to him or my parents or whatever. And I think that's where the writing story started was, um, when I got that first, you know, computer that was all I could do was just writing things. Yeah. And, uh, and then as I started, um, reading more, I really grew to like that whole aspect of, you know, creating stories and creating worlds and things like that. So I think he just gave me that initial boost and then seeing how successful he's been in it. It's, you know, it's always been a really big inspiration for me. So he's definitely, you know, started that whole side of my, uh, of my creativity, that whole writing aspect. In terms of um, your career then and, and your family, you know, we just talked about your uncle, what, what type of support system do you have and how vitally important is your support system to you and what you do? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much everything, man. Yeah. I, uh, my dad is a huge part of this book process. You know, I, I was the, he was one of the first people that I ever showed it to when it was just a few chapters in he said, yeah. this is really good. And he gave me the encouragement to actually continue it. And, and he's always supported it um, the whole way along, you know, doing everything from, you know, helping me come up with ideas and especially even in the second book and just being a, a, a fan of the series and helping me with the, the publishing aspects and everything that needed help with. So it's been a really great, you know, I've had that really great su- support system, really lucky to have that. And my mom as well has been super supportive. And so I'm lucky to have a, a family that's really into what I do, you know, to help me out. Yeah. Because it's not easy, man. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, when I was a kid, um, I was an avid book reader. And for a very short period of time, I wanted to be an author. But I got to write a book. I want to write a book. And I realized mm-hmm. I'm not very good. <laughs> I wasn't quite good at it and, and all that it, sort of yeah. thing. And It takes I, work. It's it's definitely uh, uh, an art that takes you know a lot of practice and a lot of failure. And yeah. so it's great to have people to help you along through that, especially with all the writer's block and stuff. And you have people who you can talk to and gain ideas from to push you yeah. through it is great. And with that as well, I want to know who else inspired you? So when you were younger, you said you were a book fan as well. So you're obviously reading books and I'm assuming you're going through books like like There's No Tomorrow, you know, what on yeah. book, on to the next book. Is there any particular author series of books that just caught your imagination that just made you yeah. just, your brain just went for it? I mean, there's tons, but I would say the first one, you know, like many um, people my age probably would be Harry Potter was, yeah. you know, one of the ones that really sparked, 
sparked that interest. And I, I've read the Harry Potter series over a hundred times easily. I'm always rereading it. So um, that one was always really important to me. Uh, but, you know, and then we have, you know, the other classics like the Lord of the Rings and things like that. But really, I think um, some big influences on my writing now is uh, Neil Gaiman, um, Terry Pratchett and, uh, you know, just all these great authors that are writing these brilliant fantasy worlds have just really been inspiring for me. So uh, when I started out, it was those those other kinds of things. But now I'm really gaining an appreciation for the world. Yeah, for the book world. Well, you've, you, t- you mentioned their fantasy and, you know, you talked Harry Potter, you talked Lord of the Rings, you talked Terry Pratchett, right? So yeah, then getting, getting the idea of the stuff that you kind of like and things that you're into. I'm a fan as well of sort of the fantasy sci-fi stuff. It's like, I live in the real world. I want to get immersed in a book that takes me a- away from my everyday normality. You know, it yeah, takes me to exactly. somewhere uniquely, somewhere different, somewhere you just special, right? So when you're writing that, you live in, in California, you talked about uh, Yosemite, you talked about the or- or Oregon and especially the coastline. It, it's beautiful down uh, down there for me, up there for you, I guess. But right. those those specific locations, were they all little things that inspired you or you've, you've seen something went, oh, I could create something similar to this based on this. And how much of your real life experience in those natural places was helping the juices get flowing, I guess, whenever you were writing? Yeah. I mean, pretty much all of it. Um, whenever I'm stuck, as I like to, you know, go out in nature and like think and, you know, take in the world around me and stuff like that. But uh, even when I was first starting out, the that first book that I was telling you about was inspired by my trip to Yosemite and it took part in Yosemite at the beginning. So um, whenever I go out and, you know, and I'm in nature and stuff like that, I like to really take it all in so that I can sort of regurgitated on, yeah. <laughs> onto paper. So yeah, I think that has a, it's a really big influence and I love writing out in nature as well. Cause then you just have the inspiration right in front of you. You know, JK Rowling, I think there's a famous interview with her. It's a lot of years since I've seen it now. It was, mm. she, she said that she was sitting on a train in London and a lot of the stuff for Harry Potter began to form in her mind that she was sitting on the train, the Hogwarts express and all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite TV shows from when I was a kid. Your parents might know this show. I don't know because it's a very British show. It's a show. Yeah. It's a show called Faulty Towers, and John Cleese played the hotel manager. But he got the idea from his show for this Faulty mm. Towers series based on a hotel he visited with a very rude hotel manager. And yeah. I'm curious about whether the characters that you write about, the characters you've created how much of it is based on little glimpses or moments of reality that you've had in your life? I would say, uh, I'd say about 60, 70% of it is based on um, maybe, maybe 60% of it is based on uh, real life aspects and, you know, people that I've met, personalities that I met, places that I've been. And the rest of it is based on the different, you know, fictional worlds that I've been to. So um, it's a good little, little mix of real and um fantasy real yeah i i put up on instagram today just some questions for a fantasy author um mm-hmm. ask some guys to submit questions if you could speak to an author it's always been a dream of mine to really try and pick an author's brain to see how their brain works and one of the questions i got back was when you're planning a story do you know how it's ending 
before you start? Yeah, not with me. So there's different, um, there's different types of writers and, um, I, I forget what the exact terms are, but there's the pantsers and, um, I think that's what it's called and something else. And basically it's the people who plan, plan their, their books out in every step of the way. Like, uh, I, JK Rowling was like that. I've seen spreadsheets pretty much where she's drawn out of every chapter and every event that happens in that chapter and, um, taking into account all of these different factors. And, um, a lot of authors do that. And then there's some of us like, um, uh, George R. R. Martin and who we just kind of go with the flow and, you know, Douglas Adams and we just, yeah right we don't really have any idea where things are heading and it's like he said when you try and plan out uh when he tries to plan out his books and what his characters are going to do his characters don't usually end up doing those things that he thought they would do yeah <laughs> so he figures it's better just to kind of go go with the flow for him and i found that that's pretty much true for me as well i i usually have a general outline of what i want to happen but those things don't always end up happening. And that's just because, you know, the characters are real to me. So they, they have their own thoughts and ideas, I guess. And as the story progresses. Yeah. I think from my, from my point of view, anyway, I'm a big advocate for anything that helps mental health. And one of the things I want to talk about, about writing, um, mm-hmm. I, f- I feel everyone, every human has a desire for some form of creativity whether it be yeah. music, whether it be sport, whether it be writing, whether it be whatever. And specifically for you during lockdown, I find for me personally during lockdown, it was a good time for me to really evaluate what I wanted to do. And that's when mm-hmm. I decided to try and, and go this sort of podcast route. So for you, in terms of writing, do you feel it helps you mentally in terms of your stimulus, in terms of your motivation? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um you know, I feel the same way. I've got a lot of, you know, anxiety problems and, and I feel that anything that helps with your, your mental state is just as important as you working out your physical body. You know, yeah. it's, you have to keep everything healthy together. And, uh, I, for me, creative things have always been really helpful in that aspect. Uh, at first it was painting and, you know, like I said, writing was more of a hobby when I was younger and it was more into art and art has always been that outlet for me as well. And now uh, writing is just where I put all of those thoughts and emotions and everything that's going on. And I can, it's just an outlet for me to express the things that are happening in my daily life, as well as uh, explore things that I wish would happen, things that I want to happen. And it just, it helps keep you sane, you know, especially because, um, you know, when you're locked in or something like this, and it's a very solitary thing. So like painting, it's all something that you have to find for yourself so when you are you know alone with your thoughts and and you're in lockdown it's really something that helps you push through that yeah well you went to university you mentioned earlier you studied you know you've done english you've done art mm-hmm. and you just mentioned that you've done maybe a little bit more of the art when you were younger and yeah you moved towards writing how did that change happen was that a mental switch where you went oh i'm really good at writing this is somewhere i want to go or was it just more like you were just doing a bit of both and you find yourself, you were writing more? I'm just curious how the, maybe the switch happened. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, like I said, I was, I was still writing stories a little bit, but it wasn't as much as I was concentrating on my art at the time. Yeah. Um, so it was always kind of on the back burner. Like I was just doing it for fun and just to create more worlds than I can create um, with a paintbrush. 
And, uh, and then I think in college and at the end of it, it's, uh, it, it was that, that thing where I, I just was all of a sudden I was like, you know what, I've put out a lot of paintings and I've created a lot of, uh, pieces of art, but I really want to create like a book and like something that I can hold and like something that's its own little world. And that's when I really started focusing on it because, um, it was just another form of art to me and it always has been. So it's not so much that it was a change. It's just a different medium. Yeah. I've always worked in painting and now I'm working in, uh, in, in ink and paper. So yeah. it's just a different medium to me, but it's all the same creating of uh, worlds and, you know, and different stories because when you're an artist and especially like a gallery artist, you're creating, you know, stories and ideas and you're, yeah. you're putting them into your paintbrush. And so it's the same, same type of thing. But um, it was just that it, it was just that feeling that I was like, I, I would like to have finished uh, a book because I've written stories for, you know, since I was a kid and I've never actually finished a story. So I just really wanted to finish a story. And that's when I kind of fell in love with that that medium, I think. So that's probably where the switch happened there. Yeah. But I mean, I still do love painting, of course. I still, <laughs> I, I'm still an artist. Yeah end of the day you know well a couple of things on on that because I'm, I'm interested maybe whenever you went to you got your story finished and you go to start publishing and you're looking at covers and art for the covers with you mm. being an artist was there a little bit more of a no I have to have this on the cover or I have to have that on the cover well I did uh the first edition of the book um the blue one. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I did do the painting and watercolor of the character on the front of that one. Uh, and then the uh, cover artist kind of put it together with the design and everything like that. Um, and, you know, I love that because I had a, something to do with it and, and stuff like that. But uh, the second and the um, the second book was we went with a, a different artist and you know, it was just a lot of back and forth because I'm an artist. So I had, you know, a vision and, yeah. uh, and he worked with me there. So, um, I really liked his style. So we went back and we did the first book again in a different, just so we'd have different editions. And, uh, and he did the, that as well. And again, I had a bunch of different, you know, critiques and things like that. And so we went back and forth until we got it right. And then we gave it over to the, uh, cover designer and she just always does a fantastic job so <laughs> yeah so yeah there's definitely a lot of uh there's definitely a lot of back and forth you know because I'm I, I, I have a vision for that kind of thing as well well talk to me about getting your book published so you've written you've, you've completed your story you're happy with it you want to get it published how how does that happen what steps do you take or what steps did maybe a company take to approach you saying hey we want to by the yeah. way, get this out there, whatever way it works. There's there's a lot of different ways to go about publishing. Um, you can approach a um, you can approach an, a book agent, and usually you have to write a query letter, and their query letter gives a description about your book and like a little bio and stuff like that. And there's very specific where how your query letter wants to or how you send your query letter out. And then from there, the agent gets you, um, they, well, they ask for, you know, the full version of your book. If they're interested, you send them the full version, they like it, they pretty much sign you on and then they try and grab uh, a publisher. So they reach out to a bunch of different publishers, the publishers have to agree to it. And that's where it goes from there. Um, so I did that. I sent out 
hundreds of query letters and, uh, and I got nothing. And that's usually how it goes for, you know, first time writers and things like that. And I think the, the problem was too, that I didn't know what genre it was. So I was writing, uh, I think that was probably a big problem for me is that uh, I wasn't putting the right genre, you know, I was putting fantasy or young adult or something like that. And this book, when I really think about it, it's more of a middle grade. Um, I think in, in London, they actually have that section for it, which is like teen section. Yeah. They don't have that section down here. They only have young adult and middle grade. So they don't have that like 13, you know, that um, that younger, but not too young. Yeah. So uh, it's more of a middle grade fantasy book. And I wasn't really putting that. I was putting either fantasy or young adult when I was sending it out. So they're looking at this and they're like, oh, this isn't really, you know, fantasy. This isn't, you know, that genre. So yeah. I think that had a, uh, an issue that was part of the issue. And um, but there's also small. So right now we have a small publisher, little pieces of paper publishing, and you can also approach them. Uh, there's smaller publishers you can approach directly and that you can go that route. So uh, that's also an option. That's what I went with. And then there's also um, self-publishing as well. So um, yeah, there's a lot of different routes you can go publishing uh, depending on, you know, which, how much control I guess you want Um, with bigger publishers, you have less control over everything Uh, with smaller publishers, you have a little bit more control. And with uh, even when you're self-publishing, you have all the control. So (laughs) It's all it depends on your um, your book and your preference, yeah. I guess, which route you want to go. Is it an exciting? And there probably is other routes. Is it an exciting yeah. time or a nervous? Oh time? yeah, both. <laughs> uh, both. Um, it's a lot of work. Um, yeah. You know, with with bigger, larger publishers like publishers like uh, you, you have that that backbone that there's there's groups of people helping you out. You know what I mean? There's it's it's a project. You don't have as much control but you do have that support system behind you but it is a lot of work for me it's um you know working together with uh, all these different people and uh and also working together on social media and marketing and things like that so um it's a lot of work but it is a lot of fun as well because you're you're building a world for people to learn about your world and if that makes sense you're building a community you know you're building up this whole uh, community around and uh, this whole space where people can find your book and you're also at the same time building a book. (laughs) So it's, it's definitely interesting. It was definitely um, a new experience for me, but that moment when you first have that book in your hands is, is indescribable. It's crazy. You know, that first moment when you have a book in your hand, you're like, I did that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, so validates all the hard work. It, yeah, it makes it all it makes it all worth it. You know, that's it's not what you do it for. Um, you know, but it definitely makes you feel good. <laughs> well, something else that I think should make you feel good, and I'm a huge advocate of people should take pride in their work, especially when their work is of a high quality. And mm-hmm. when I was pre- like prepping for this podcast, I obviously I ordered the book and I was reading through the book as well. But everywhere I looked online all the reviews are excellent. You know, the, yeah. the lowest review out of five I've seen is 4.5 out of five. Yeah. Like, to me, that's phenomenal. And for you as an author, how much pride do you take in that? Do you take yeah. a lot of pride in, in people reviewing oh, it well? Yeah. 
every time a, a good review comes up i see it and and it definitely does make me feel good like i'm doing well it makes it it validate because you know i i haven't exactly been writing for years and i you don't have um all of that confidence when you're starting out that what you're doing is good you know yeah. that i don't know i don't have author friends and and you know like some people around me are saying it's good and all that stuff but when the readers and the people who are actually consuming it tell you it's good and tell you they love it or whatever um and you have fans and you're just like this is you know i guess <laughs> i'm doing well i guess yeah. this, i should just keep doing this <laughs> so it definitely is a really really great motivator um and help it just helps you keep everything going because now you're writing you know, not only for yourself, but the people who support you. So. Well, I think it's a big key too, because when you see someone or a group of people or a number of people who are giving you phenomenal reviews all in various different websites, mm. they're obviously then their followers, their fans. So the next thing you, you put out, they're in it, you know, like, give me this book, give me this thing. And I think for yep. anyone that's creative, whether it be an author, whatever it is, um, whoever it may be, it's such a good experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a little bit of pressure, though, at the same time, because yeah. you want to write well for them. Um, but you just kind of have to let that go. And just as long as you're happy with what you're putting out there, you got to uh, have faith that they're going to be happy with what yeah. you're putting out there. Um, but it also pushes you along because you're getting people who are constantly like, where's the third book? Where's the, you know, <laughs> where's the next one? Or you know, what are you doing next? And so it pushes you at the same time, which is important because finishing projects um, is more important than starting them. I think every Game of Thrones fan with George R. R. Martin, it was that oh, feeling, yeah. wasn't it? It was like, hurry up and give us the next Come on. book. Oh, it then... still is. Still yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, I, he's under, I'm sure, an enormous amount of pressure and I don't know how he deals with it. But um, for me, for his books, I just want him to do it well. I don't care how long it takes him. You know, yeah. I, I want him to uh, enjoy it. I don't want him to feel rushed. So I understand where the fans are coming from, where, um, you know, they're, they're so in love with this series that they just can't wait for the next, they want him to finish it and they can't wait yeah. for the next one. But at the same time, I just want it to be quality work because yeah. that's what has made us fall in love with it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I see both sides of it. Um, but it's different authors have different paces, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to touch on on your on your series, the Castaway mm. Kit, the Castaway King. You know, you've got some some cool characters there. And one of the first things that I noticed as a reader was I noticed there was a differentiation in class. And mm -hmm. I want to know your thoughts behind that was that something you you wanted to do to try and highlight. Um, and also, I don't know if this is what you're going for, but the path, you know, with the exodites. To me, I felt like, oh, it's like the X-Men. You know, they're training to become an X-Men. That's how I, that's what it was like when I read it. And I'm curious that, about when you were putting it together. Uh, actually, the X-Men as aspect never crossed my mind. But that same type of uh, vibe from other books definitely um, influenced, not necessarily the X-Men, but, you know, that special elite force of, yep. uh, of whatever. Um, you know, I've always wanted to have something like that. I just love that idea of, like, this elite, group of people um so that was always uh something that i wanted to happen and the class structure just kind of happened because um that's kind of the world we live in i think it's just a reflection of 
the world that we live in. And it's yeah. uh, something that people can relate to. Um, and it just also adds another dimension to their world, um, you know, rather than just it's, oh, they're, it's not all about, oh, they're living underground. It's like, yeah, but th there's this whole society underground as well. So it adds this dimension to the underground world um, as opposed to when they're above ground and the dimensions that are there as well. So yeah. I, I think it was just um, something that happened naturally thanks to, you know, everything that's going on around us and uh, also made sense for the world as well. Bill Parsons, mm. main character in this book. Talk mm -hmm. to me about Pill, the ideas where it came from, the attributes, the character. Well, okay, so this whole series came from, I was looking for ideas. I had given up on that other book and I was like, I'm going to finish something. I'm going to start something new. I'm going to finish a, a, a project. And this whole thing came from um, one of my first apartments that we lived in. We had an infestation of ants at the time. And we would only see them out at night for some reason. I'm like, they're, they're smart. They're hiding during the day. They're going out during the night. And so it got me thinking of, um, you know, what if there was this um, mythical you know, species or race of people or whatever that had to hide underground during the day and could only come out at night because of the dangers of their world. And so that, that was where the whole thing spawned. And so I, I was thinking of ants and I'm like, all right, so they're also going to be small compared to the things in their world. So elves, <laughs> elves are tinier. So, uh, and so I didn't want to just do elves because uh, elves are everywhere. So I, I went with elfin, which are kind of this human ish. They're not, they're not like your, um, you know, they're not like your Lord of the ring elf elves. They're kind of this human mix um, a little bit um dirtier and a little bit humaner and you know that whole aspect of it um and then uh i was thinking for the main character's name i had his idea in mind i had all this you know drama and stuff planned out that i wanted to do and different aspects and things and uh but i'm just not good at naming characters so um i asked my wife and she came up with a few things that i didn't like and she's actually named a lot of the characters in the book like pretty much all of them she's named them um but it was our roommate at the time I, I i didn't like the ones um that my wife was giving me and so i asked my roommate and she and i said it's a small character like they're all like really small and she said pill like a pill-sized person and i was like you know what i like that and so uh, i went with pill persons one l not two l's yeah. um and and that reiteration of uh of the first letter happened for all the characters as well so my wife had a lot of fun with that. Felicity Fallon, you know, yeah, Duncan Dirk. So, yeah. So, so those, yeah, those characters as well. Felicity Fallon, Duncan Dirk, you know, like you read it. It's the, the three amigos. Was yeah. That, was that based on a trio of friends maybe you had in real life? Or was it just I wanted to do three characters, three main heroes? Definitely. Yeah, um, it was definitely I had a little friend group in um college and and that definitely influenced um having that a uh, group of friends um and uh it was also influenced by uh harry potter you know i wanted to have uh a tr the main trio but then after i had the trio um, i wanted to expand out from there so it's not just um the the three friends it's now also uh sandy shackles and yeah you know um and as you go on some other characters so uh yeah, it was influenced by my friend base and some characters were 
directly influenced either in appearance or personality from people that I know in real life. And I took little bits of them and I took little bits of other characters from other books. And, um, and then I kind of created these, this, this group of friends and, and their dynamic from there, I think. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting thing. Like for example, whenever I was in, I discovered Harry Potter when I was in school because, and I think this is vital. And as, as people move more away from reading and move towards technology and videos, it's something I feel passionate about is that we don't forget to read. And, you know, whether we, we take information in, in terms of reading, whether we just switch off mentally and escape. Um, but when I was a kid, it must've been maybe about nine or 10. It was our, we had, we, every couple of days we done like half an hour of book reading or whatever. And the teacher read it out and we all went around the class, read a bit each, but that was mm-hmm. when we done the philosopher's stone or the sorcerer's stone, depending what part yeah. of the world you're listening to this podcast in. And for there, that was me hooked. Philosophers that, for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's sorcerers technically, but I, I always go by the original, yeah. which is philosophers. Yeah. But that, that's what got me hooked was, was it was pushed to me in school. And uh-huh. from there, I was like, okay, I got to get the second book and the third book and the fourth book. And when I started reading, only the first four were out. And I mm-hmm. think I finished all four in about a week. And from there, I was just addicted to getting books of like a book, different series, series. whatever it may be, and just getting mm-hmm. into it and getting going and stuff. And I want to know your opinion on number one, reading in general, reading as a form of education and allowing kids and younger people and young adults 30 minutes 40 minutes whatever it may be time to switch off and escape because i think kids are really being forced to grow up a bit younger now than perhaps maybe mm-hmm. what they used to be yeah and i think it's actually one of the most important things for um development you know mental development because you're uh not only are you learning constantly when you're reading um, now that I'm learning other languages, I realized just how important reading was in uh, my vocabulary development. Yeah. Um, you know, I never had to study for English tests or anything, <laughs> and I always performed <laughs> very well. So um, it was it was great uh, for you're learning languages, you're learning new ideas, and at the same time, you're escaping from reality and and you're you're going somewhere where you can just kind of let your creativity flow. And I think that's really important for helping you to deal with situations uh, that you see around you. So, and I just don't think that enough kids see that. And um, I don't know and where, why, uh, where the switch happened, I think probably with technology and the introduction of that, people have just gotten so distracted by all of that um, flashy stuff that they, they don't realize how great just a good old fashioned book is. Yeah. Um, but I think it's very important that we keep that going. And uh, as it becomes even, you know, even more difficult to get books uh, with all the bookstores closing down, I think it's, it's really important that we make an effort to keep that a part of their uh, development. Because as it is now, you see three-year-olds with iPads and they're you know, on TikTok and you know, all these different apps yeah. and stuff like that. And it's not going to help their growth in in any way at that point you know they're they're not necessarily ready for those things yet you know they need to uh develop more they need to you know read more and participate in that kind of activity so i think there needs to be a a real effort to switch from that 
you know, I don't even have an iPad and three three year olds shouldn't have an iPad and access to the entire world of the internet. Yeah. You know, there's, it's just too much for them at that point. I think, you know, I think if you can really censor it, then that's great. Get them down into doing whatever kind of game or practice or learning thing. That's totally fine. But if you just, if they have free reign of the internet, you know, there's just too much going on. There's too much for them to process, you know? So I think it's, it needs to, we need to make an effort to kind of switch back to, to just books and reading because yeah. that's more contained solid information there. Yeah. Plus totally. It's just great fun. Yeah. You know, I to- totally agree. Um, one of the, one of the major things through my life actually is, at different parts of my life, key moments in my life, I can always remember what I was reading at certain points. When I, mm-hmm, when, me when too. I yeah, it's really, really strange that way. But I even associate Vancouver, where I live right now, with um, a book series called The Age of Five by Trudy Kavanagh, Kavanagh or Kavanagh, I can't remember the last name. But when I first, when I visited Vancouver in 2014, I was mm-hmm. reading her book series. And, yep. you know, going out, sit in the park, read a bit of the book, going out, sit in the coffee shop, reading a chapter, moving on to the next tourist thing, whatever it may be. And I always associated that city or up this yeah. city that I'm now living with that book series. And I think it's so maybe poignant in people's lives. And you've talked a little bit about Harry Potter. And I want to know when you discovered Harry Potter and right away, you know, what maybe you associate with Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I, I discovered it in fourth grade. Um, and I think I had watched the did I I think I watched the movie before I got into the books. Yeah. So I was into the movies. Um, and then I started reading them in sixth grade. And um I can vividly remember purchasing the last book uh of the series. You know, I know exactly where it happened. You know, I was uh, in high school at the time and uh, we were at the mall and there was this huge line of people it was I mean you had to wait hours and hours because it was the last book of Harry Potter <laughs> and so you know there's there's those memories that are uh, that you have associated with books that are just really powerful too and because it just kind of like whenever I go somewhere tropical I think of um when the book I was reading in Hawaii and, you know, it yeah. brings those, those memories back and it helps stimulate your uh, imagination as well. So, and it just, uh, it helps you feel kind of uh, more um, in tune with the past, uh, the things that you were experiencing at that point in time as well, because, you know, you, our memories deteriorate over time, but when you have those, those uh, they're kind of like little placeholders, they're bookmarks yeah. in your life that you can go back to. And you're like, Oh, I remember when I was reading um, the fourth Harry Potter and I was in, you know, I was at this softball game or whatever. And you just remember <laughs> all of that stuff because you have that bookmark. Yeah. So uh, it's something that's really kind of an interesting little side effect that goes along with reading. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I remember going to church, mom and dad as, as a kid were dragging me to church and they were like, we're at church, like get out of the car. And I'm like, I need to finish this chapter. And it was the order yeah. of the Phoenix book. And it just came out that weekend. I'm like, I need to finish this chapter. Yeah. Oh, I can remember so many nights like that. <laughs> it's about, they're we're, like, you, we're, we're starting church. We're starting church. I'm bringing the book with me. They're like, you're putting yeah. Harry Potter in the church. And I, was, I don't care. I need to finish this chapter. Yeah. When I was younger and I was reading, um, I was reading Twilight and I remember vividly falling asleep 
and having a dream that I was still reading Twilight and the, like all this stuff happened. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, that didn't like actually ha I was really confused because I thought that that had actually been what I read. But it was all just because I <laughs> fell asleep reading. <laughs> but now I can't read Twilight anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just got a little bit too old for Twilight. I, think. I got Yeah, I, I <laughs> aged and I realized that that writing is not good. <laughs> the, you know, the ideas and stuff behind it, the, the way that I still learned a lot from it um, as far as, you know, where you can take these uh, these fantasy creatures and just twist them on their heads and how brilliant that is. And if you do it right. Yeah. Um, because nobody had ever thought of, you know, vampires were, ah, yeah. I'm Dracula, blah, blah, blah. And you just twist that on your heads and now they're shiny, you know, um, boys who have lived for forever yeah. and are made of practical, you know, stone and are these, yeah. you know, so it, it, that definitely gave me a lot of inspiration and, yeah. um, everything, every book has the potential to do that. But now looking back at it and I'm reading these great authors, you know, like Neil Gaiman and, and, um, and, Douglas Adams and just these brilliantly written books. And I'm going back and I'm like, oh, it's a little teenage-ish for me <laughs> now, I think. But the ideas, like I said, the ideas were great for that. Yeah. Well, I want to know what's next. Yeah, you. me too. What's next for you? You're obviously <laughs> going to finish this series. And then are you planning something different, something else? Have you any actually, ideas? Or are you just focused on what's going on right now? Well, actually, I'm taking uh, a uh, not a break, but I'm writing um, some other things that I've I've been focusing on before I, I uh, finish the third book uh, because I want to explore some other genres, um, still fantasy genre, but um, I'm writing a satirical business fantasy and um, a couple of epic fantasies and just a bunch of different things that I'm exploring right now. So uh, I'm probably going to finish at least one of those and then uh and then i'm gonna finish the third book up and then um well we'll see from there i'm i'm not sure uh how many originally it was slated for five book series but i i kind of have to see how the story develops because even i don't know yeah. exactly how things are going to develop so uh i'm gonna have to take things one step at a time but for now i'm exploring this other genre and i think that's gonna actually really um help my writing and and make these next couple books of the castaway king even better than the first two were so i'm excited for that obviously i'm enjoying the first book getting into it it's good i like being off work at the minute i can get up i can make a cup of tea being, mm -hmm. british, being british i make tea i don't make coffee <laughs> i make both yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love like, both gotta get that caffeine some uh, way big time first thing in the morning cup of tea read a read a chapter a couple of chapters then begin the day but one thing i want to ask you you have a creative personality you're, you're writing your art and for someone who wants to start out writing for the very first time Maybe a mm -hmm. double double barrel question here. So someone who wants to start writing, what advice would you give them? And also, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give a younger Spencer? Uh, I would have to say just finish your projects. Um, you're going to learn more from finishing your book than you are from starting it. So uh, finish as many projects as you can and keep on going. And I would give that advice to anyone starting out and anyone uh, and me of the past as well, just keep finishing things because, you know, the more you start things and the more, uh, and, and you don't finish them, that's going to become more of a habit. And when you actually finish a whole plot line, 
you learn a lot from that process. So uh, I think that's probably my biggest advice over, you know, over plotting things and character development and, um, and all of that nitty gritty detail stuff. I think that's all very important, uh, but I think that's something you're going to learn naturally as you go along, as long as you finish your projects and, um, and learn from them. Yeah, to- totally agree. I think it's, it's so vitally important. And in any aspect of life, even when I do the football chats and stuff like that, it's always about, you know, finishing the training session and finishing every time because it just creates that habitual idea, mm-hmm. you know, that you continuously finish. Yeah. Cause uh, it's, it's a, it's a solitary thing. You're doing yeah. it for yourself and you know, you don't, well, if you're just starting out, you don't have millions of fans waiting for you, pushing you along. So you have to get into that groove of uh, writing every day and you have to write every day. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's very important for such a solitary activity too, as well as, you know, other team activities where you have to, yeah. you have to finish everything you're doing. So. Well, what I want to do now, Spencer, and agree with what mm. you said, is I want to fire some quick fire questions, and some of them are what sure. I've got from Instagram for you. Um, Go for it. So the first one is: What comes first, the character or the setting? Hmm. The they kind of come at the same time, but I want to say that the characters definitely come first for me. Um, I usually build the character up uh, in my head or I'll draw them out. I have an idea of who the main character is and a few things that I want to happen. And from there, I go on to world building, which is, you know, what world do they live in? What's the map and uh, what setting is everything taking place in? So I think definitely it goes character, uh, what they look like, uh, a little bit of their personality, and then what their name is and (laughs) fantasy world. So yeah that's the next thing next question and i assume this person's done a bit of research on you um because they've said as a fan of harry potter what do you enjoy more reading the books or watching the movies well it's obviously the books i can't watch (laughs) the movies past the fifth one um well i can't watch the fifth one either but uh because (laughs) i'm such a stickler for original material and they just cut out so much after the fourth movie they just cut out so much uh stuff that to me is just is what makes harry potter you know what it is um so the changes i just can't get over them i can't view it as a movie objectively i'm sure they're great movies (laughs) but um i'm more of a reader so i i can't view it as uh as a a different medium i have to view it as the book and to me the book is just a million times better so always always reading <laughs> I, I would agree it was i'm one of those fans that i went to the the release day of every harry potter movie since it came out mm-hmm. and the fourth one was the was what the start of when i left the movies being disappointed or wanting more they got no. too cinematic um too reliant on you know the visuals and that kind of thing and uh, the dra- the drama and less on the story and what it originally was and what it originally was is why there was such a huge fan base. Yeah. So, you know, leaving that is too much. And to the point where characters were different, you had like these times where the characters just didn't make sense with who they were. Like when, you know, when Dumbledore was, you know, like, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? And he shakes Harry and you're just like, Dumbledore would never do that. Like (laughs) Dumbledore is this chill. Like, you know, he's not, he's not going to 
attack a student. <laughs> yeah. The, the one that done it for me was actually some of my favorite chapters in the whole series are right after Harry gets back from the Riddle House graveyard and, mm-hmm. he get, and he's back, you know, he gets the port key back. But in the movie, from kind of that scene to the end of the movie, it's about eight minutes long. No, oh, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, you've missed so much yeah. content. Just... Um, and that's that's the bit that really killed it for me because some of those chapters and the development of the character, especially yeah. Harry and those one-on-ones with Dumbledore and stuff, I feel like that's where a lot of his development happens. Yeah, there's so much that you're missing. And, and I, I understand that for, you know, for time purposes, you can't you can't include everything. I mean, I think you should, but <laughs> I would be totally fine watching an eight-hour Harry Potter movie. That's that's you know, yeah. I'll just take it in days, whatever, as long as yeah. it's by the book. Yeah. But I, I get that. Part not every, yeah, I, I get that not everybody's like that, and they have to cut things out. But what I don't understand is why they have to put things in that didn't need to be there. You know? yeah. <laughs> so they're taking things out and uh, that I think are important and putting in parts that just you know kind of deviate from the original thing like when they had Dobby appearing more in the uh the seventh movie the first part than he should have and they kind of cut Creature out his whole the whole importance of his development as um as uh, viewing Harry as his master and that whole story just kind of like took a back seat to we need to show more of Dobby before he dies you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah Absolutely. A couple more questions for you. Um, again, I think some people have looked up who you are because some of the questions make um, and make reference to stuff you've wrote about or make reference right. to things that you've said, which is great. Mm. Um, they said, "Have you read Lord of the Rings?" And oh, if yeah. you and if you have read Lord of the Rings, do you have a favorite character that in the books that is probably different to the movies? Mm, you know, I haven't watched the movies a whole bunch, um, but of course I've read Lord of the Rings. I tried to read it and you know, what? I tried to read it in high school and I tried like three different times and I just yeah. couldn't do it. I wasn't, I, I wasn't, uh, I guess I didn't have the patience for it. Um, cause it's the Lord of the Rings, the, the, tr- the trilogy, um, technically it's all one book, but, uh, it's starts off kind of slow. Yeah. Uh, and I just didn't have the patience at that time. And then when I finally did read it, now I've read it, you know, dozens of times i don't know how many times i've read those books um i don't know who i would say differs from the the movies aragorn's pretty he's i don't know it's hard to say um i don't watch the movies a lot just because i i like to keep and this is with all um adaptations i like to keep the books fresh in my mind and when i watch the movies it kind of um deviates my knowledge uh and i don't want to know i want to know the source stuff i don't want to know the movie stuff if that makes sense yeah so i haven't watched it a ton so i'd be hard to pick um saruman maybe um maybe he was a little bit different in the i think he was probably a little bit different in the movies and in the books yeah I mean, you, you strike me as quite similar to me when you're watching a movie and if you've read the book and you're like, that didn't happen or why uh, have yeah. they done that? All it drives me nuts. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. I And there's a lot of movies that I just can't watch and I love the books from and I just, and, and shows as well. Yeah. Um, and I, and there are some, I mean, it's very rare, but it, it happens where there are a few adaptations that are better than the books or that improve upon it. Um, uh, like, the, I've, I've read the the kick-ass comic books and um and they're great and i love it but i think that the movie 
the first movie was way better than the first comic book of it. Yeah. <laughs> i just like the way they did it better so yeah. occasionally you know they get things right and they um and they really improve on upon it or uh, how i met your dragon yeah. the book was not great and <laughs> the movie was completely different it was they, basically they only used the characters names the, everything else the plot everything else was completely different they just took the names from it and the title from it and they made a movie and they did it so much better than the book yeah. um maybe that's just i because it was a kid's book so it wasn't up my alley at the time but <laughs> but yeah a few times they get it right and then there's some movies that i just i love the books and i can never watch them <laughs> like the circle uh yeah. i love that book but i don't think i can never watch that movie <laughs> another question for you agree agree with the circle by the way um, yeah. I, this person is definitely from Belfast, where I'm from, because the author is a Belfast author, worldwide known author, to be fair, but oh, from, from, from Belfast. Um, do you have a favorite C.S. Lewis book? If so, which one? Yeah, um, I would have to just say um, just The Lion, the Witch, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Just that that first book of that series was because it has so much memories for me. I remember yeah. uh, it was third, fourth, third third grade i mean and it's such a i was coming from a different school i think um and and i went to check out the school and i walked in on the class and they were reading that book and they were reading it out loud and i was just kind of like standing there listening and i was like wow this is an amazing book and it made me want to take that class and read that book and so when i finally did um that book was just you know it meant a lot to me at the time so um there's that one. And then, um, oh gosh, there's, um, there's a couple of his other books that aren't related to that, that are, that are really good that I've totally lost their names for right now, but, yeah. but I've posted about them in the past. <laughs> yeah. One um, of his, I think it was is it screw tape letters, unless I'm thinking of someone else. Was that C.S. Lewis? Maybe that's someone else. Um, what was it? The screw, screw tape letters, I think. Screw tape letters. Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, let me, double check that i think that's a name um let's see if i am right you know there's one yeah it is screw tip letters by c.s lewis um it's an ap apologetic novel by c.s lewis and dedicated to J.R.R. tolkien oh really mm -hmm. so yeah that's one that always sticks out in my head but i haven't read that in a long long time my yeah my only problem with c.s lewis is um his uh, and, and I, I wouldn't say it's a problem. It's just, um, when he puts like religious aspects of things into his work, um, it's, I, I just, I'm like, stick to the plot you know? <laughs> for me. I, I don't like that force thing. And I feel, uh, the same way about like, you know, and Andrews Gay, Orson Scott, um, I feel the same way about him and some of his works, you know, he'll yeah. throw in a, like some religious things at the end of his series and stuff like that. And, um, and I love his work, you know, like yeah. Andrew's game and uh, Andrew's shadow and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, it's great. I don't, don't get me wrong. It's just when you, it's, it's kind of like uh, a little bit like a forcing, you know, your, your other things that aren't related to the plot into yeah. it um, that don't fit, you know, if it yeah. fits great, if you can make thing, these things fit into that world, that's perfect. And they're necessary and they're important to the plot great but i feel like when it doesn't fit and it's just put in there to be put in there um that's when it like kind of just takes me out of it 
yeah. so so those are my only issues with them and you know but other than that there's just such fantastic fantastic authors i'm trying to remember that one book uh, <laughs> it's really gonna bug me c.s lewis book um Let's see what comes up yeah let's see course it's gonna be all the way at the bottom <laughs> it's be the last one <laughs> yeah it's gonna be the last one of all of his books um uh, this isn't even all of his books man i'm gonna have to find it this is gonna bug me <laughs> it might be out of a silent planet but i don't think so i think that might be this um i don't know there's 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 a few of his books that i uh that i read recently and I, when I was a kid, all I thought, you know, was just the line, the witch in the wardrobe. But I thought that's, yeah. that was C.S. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> and then I discovered these other books and I'm like, where were these? Yeah. You know? So yeah, well, he's that, definitely not author that took me by surprise there. <laughs> well, here's the last question for you that has been submitted that I want to ask for you. Mm -hmm. If, if you could put yourself in any fantasy world that you have read, which world would it be and why? Hmm. Well, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, I guess, I guess I'll just have to go with, uh, you know, I'm going to go with uh, a Lord of the Rings, I think just because I like, I love how, uh, I love the atmosphere of that kind of world of that, um, you know, old timey, fantasy epic fantasy type of world yeah. so i think i would just go with that because it's a classic i know it well i know the world well and uh i could get around there pretty good yeah. um, and and it's just, it just seems like a really beautiful world based on what you know based on his uh his writing is just so beautiful so i think that'd be a great place to live <laughs> yeah no i totally agree it's probably the, probably my favorite or second favorite after Harry Potter fantasy series I've ever read. Yeah. Um, it's one I mean, of it, that continuously it inspired read as well. so much too. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, it was such a big influence on fantasy in general. There's, you know, there's no question that um, that series pretty much pulled fantasy out of the ground and, and really uh, gave it a new look and gave people new, uh, new ideas. Yeah. So yeah, that one's a, a very important, important series and also it just sounds beautiful so yeah. i would definitely go there in a heartbeat um, my, i have a question for you and it's based on my personal preference just out of the book series the hobbit versus lord of the rings yeah um it's it's hard um hobbit by itself is a fantastic book and i do like it more um than any one of the books by itself but um there's so much great stuff in the Lord of the Rings trilogy that uh, it's hard to just, you know, leave all that stuff out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think I, I really enjoy just the there and back again, yeah, which is what he calls it. Um, I just, I love that simple fantasy. So I would probably say the Hobbit. I love the riddles too. So yeah. I, I think I love the Hobbit as because it, because it is a solitary thing, even though um, I like, uh, series I tend to like series more so um, it's kind of one of those exceptions where the Hobbit by itself was just yeah. perfect you know yeah. just a perfect thing it's what about it's, you 
it's my favorite standalone fantasy book. If I can yeah. just lift it and read it cover to cover and that's it. It's my outstanding just, number one. It's and that's yeah, that's the great the greatest thing about The Hobbit is that it that's all it needs. It's just that one back there and back again, you know. Yeah. It's just one book. It doesn't need the thousands and thousands of pages and um all of this world you know all of this stuff that the the trilogy gets into um the politics and things that it gets into it doesn't need all that it just needs that there and back again in that one little book to be fantastic you know so yeah i think it definitely has the edge there even though all of that little you know itty gritty stuff is great you know i that's just pure what epic fantasy should be yeah uh that little book somehow somehow takes the win (laughs) so just to wrap up then last question i have for you as an author when Mm -hmm. when you get stuck when you get run out of ideas or not happy with things or go a mental block what do you do and how do you get over it a drink (laughs) (laughs) uh there's different things it depends every time um sometimes i do i have a glass of wine or beer you know whatever and uh and that kind of will help me get going but i think the most important thing to do is to just start writing anything anything at all even if it's not what you're writing at the time just start writing and keep writing and eventually you'll get back into the flow of things because those you're just going to get hung up on that for weeks and months and however long you're going to hung up on it before you push through it so you just need to force yourself to sit down and uh, write something random. Just that's what I'll do is I'll just write random little stories. So I have a bunch of these little, just one page random that make no sense oftentimes before I'm back in the groove and I have, you know, fresh ideas for the project I'm working on. So that's my advice there. (laughs) Or both. (laughs) Or both. (laughs) Both works too. (laughs) Whatever works for you, man. Everybody has their own, their own, you know, thing to get through it big time big time well spencer it's been my absolute pleasure reaching out to you connecting with you and getting you on this podcast i've really enjoyed this chat just far and back and forward and i hope you have too and yeah, I, hope, dude. I hope who you who listens to this picks up on it i hope young people listen to this they want to read they begin to read they get um inspired to write inspired to read inspired to the get into books and get into a world outside of reality and everything you see on TV, the, the, the downside of society and COVID and elections and craziness, just yep. get out of it, get mentally stimulated, mentally switched on by reading a book. And I'll, I advocate everything that Spencer has written so far. And I'm excited to, to read the remainder of the books whenever they come out. So Spencer, just to to wrap up again, just let our listeners know where to find you, Instagram, Twitter, um, where to order your books online. Yeah, go to uh, thecastawayking.com. You can find uh, links to everything there. You can search me up on Google, The Castaway King. uh, You'll always be able to find my book that way. Uh, Pretty much anywhere they sell books, uh, Barnes & Noble. I was was about to say Borders, but that doesn't (laughs) exist anymore. Uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, Kindle, any, anywhere you can find books, Amazon, uh, search the castaway King and you'll be able to find it. Uh, also social media at the castaway King. You'll be able to find me there as well. Um, and this has been really great. You know, I'm glad you reached out to me as well. And, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. This has definitely helped me out, uh, you know, 
help me motivate me to to keep going as well that's all, all i want is to try and give people a platform and yeah and if i'm interested <laughs> i'm hoping other people are too and i find it fascinating i find the creativity i find the mindset i find overcoming overcoming stumbling blocks i find the support system the mental toughness to, to persevere i find all of it fascinating and I think it's a credit to authors and sometimes maybe authors don't get this enough or writers don't get this enough that, yeah. um, that what you do on the service you do provide, whether you realize it or not, is so vital for young mm-hmm. people and middle-aged, for all people in terms of just reading a book and getting away from the reality of everyday life. And I think sometimes you need to sit back sometimes and look at it from a distance and think I've done something good here. And I certainly yeah. feel that your, your work is, is good. It's very good. It's rated like we talked about earlier, really high. And I hope, our, so much. I hope our listeners get on it. So enjoy the rest of your evening with your family, with your wife and stay safe during this time and be excited to get this up live in a couple of weeks. And we'll, we'll spam it out there and get some lessons in and hopefully awesome. get, the, get the word out. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's been great uh, chatting with you. Thank you for listening to the podcast with me, your host, Darren. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the podcast. Thanks for your time. Stay safe and tune in next time.